Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. We just form a fucking wall. O'Neal deep on the post, lots of contact there. Oh, what a block by Wallace! What wow. a jump ball! He's down four, 12 8, 7 38 to play the first half. First from Rodney, stuck into the rim! Countdown, baby, and a foul! Reggie inside for Andre, and a dynamite dunk! Pistons fans, hello and welcome to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast. Brendan Johnson, Aaron Johnson, Ryan Pay, all here with you talking about Pistons basketball. And the boys are back. The Pistons coming fresh off a 34-point win over the San Antonio Spurs. 132-98 to that final score. Their seventh win of the regular season, improving them to 7-13. and If that doesn't have you boys juiced, I mean, I don't know what's going to get you fired up here today. What's going on, boys? Yeah, I mean, Brennan, you really, you really got the juice today. Brennan's excited. Surprised. My goodness. Guess we're forgetting about the two <laughs> losses to the Charlotte Hornets. But uh, okay, okay, wow, Brennan, wait, wait, a, a lot it. of energy, a lot of energy. Wasn't ready for it. Seven and thirteen. But I Come will on. say this: quick question: How many votes does Christian Wood get for MVP? Uh, Seku has my vote for MVP. Oh. Do you see those buckets? Come Bucket. on, spin move left hand hey, up and under. I'm loyal. Bit. I'm loyal to Christian Wood. He's got my vote. I mean, well, at what point do we start talking about All Star Game? Seriously, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, hey, I'm all for it. The, my two co-hosts are coming with a different, different ball game. Having tonight. a little fun before we start uh, really going to town <laughs> uh, and getting all depressed that this team is still six games under 500, and I believe the 10 or 11 seed in the Eastern Conference. And they've lost two games recently to Charlotte, which they could have won both of. Really should have won both of. And and it's just, yeah. So, you know, I'll take the energy that I brought, the excitement I brought, and I'll temper it with reality. Uh, And that is, this is still a 7-13 ball club. But overall, Detroit, they show a flash of, hey, maybe there's some positive things to come. And I've got some more thoughts on the San Antonio game, but... First, Aaron, you mentioned Christian Wood, 28 points, a career high for him. Pretty nice game. Sekou Dumboya comes in, gets his first NBA buckets um, of his career, which was pretty cool to see. And, I mean, even even a guy like Bruce Brown, I think he had 13-7. Luke Kennard had a nice ball game. I mean, overall, a pretty just solid performance for Detroit and a much-needed home win. I mean, I... Hey, man, Christian Wood's nice, but could you imagine what Joe Johnson would be giving to this squad right now? <laughs> God, I mean, I know we all kind of agreed, why was that a conversation? Why are they contemplating giving Joe Johnson a roster spot over Christian Wood? And night in and night out, Christian Wood makes that a much more laughable debate. In 22 minutes tonight, he scored 28 points, had 10 rebounds, 2 assists, a block, and a steal on 11 of 14 shooting from the field, 78.6% shooting from the field, 100% from the three-point line, and he knocked down two of his three three-pointers. In 22 minutes, he did all of that. He was just phenomenal. He stuffs the stat sheet anytime he checks into the game. He's made strides defensively after starting the season off with 
you know, definitely some lapses on that side of the floor. But he's quelled some of those. He's playing better on that end. And offensively, he just finds ways to contribute, even when the Pistons aren't running sets for him. He's getting those offensive rebounds. He's finishing out of the pick and roll. He's hitting those three-pointers when they come to him. He just makes plays. I mean, he had three offensive rebounds tonight. The only guy that had more was Andre Drummond, who, God, he should. He's the best rebounder in the league. But Christian Wood has just been so effective, so efficient, so productive in his minutes. He's really been uh, a huge, huge help to the Pistons. And I tweeted this during the game, but he needs to be considered as part of the Pistons' young core. Whether you think it's, you know, Luke, Sekou, Oh, I thought you tweeted he needed to be a part of the all-star voting coming up pretty soon. That goes without saying. But when you're talking about this young core, Luke, Bruce... Uh, Seku, you know, and then you, you kind of don't know who else belongs in the midst. Does Fee get it? Does Kyrie Thomas still have some sort of potential with the Pistons? Christian Wood needs to be right up there with Luke, with Seku, with Bruce, because he's a guy that needs to be around for the long haul. Looking at the numbers he's producing, looking at his age, just turned 24 years old, can play the four, the five, make shots from the outside, can run the pick and roll, rebounds the basketball on both sides of the floor, and alter shots at the rim. What what else what else can you more can you want from a young big? Uh, I've just been absolutely impressed by him. He's definitely outperformed any uh, you, know, you know expectations that I had for him so far this year. He's just been phenomenal. All right, one thing, but really a couple things. I really want to toot my own horn here and Brendan's with with this whole Christian Wood saga before the season started. Where Brendan and I worried at all that Joe Johnson was going to be on this roster above Christian Wood. No. no. Did we say if Joe Johnson didn't make the roster, it would not be at the expense of Christian Wood? Yes. yes. So, Joe Johnson doesn't make the roster and Christian Wood's there. We didn't have a panic bone in our body about it. Mm-hmm. Next thing. There was absolute panic about the minutes Don was putting up. What is something... That was said immediately when Don was getting serious minutes. Let him play his way out of the rotation because it's going to happen. And everyone was freaking out. Game one, game two, game three. Here's Thomas. Fire Why Dwayne Casey. Get Why rid not of Christian him. Wood? This is malpractice. Why isn't Christian Wood? In? Wow. Give, wow. I know that was at me. That's a shot at That was definitely at me because I love saying malpractice. That is a shot. We're doing this. I brought the first round knockout. Yes. First round knockout. Air pod. This is a six-minute pod. It's over. KO'd. Deontay Wilder, just sweat flying from your head. Over. Heavyweight fight. Done. Done. But anyway. Ding, ding, ding. that's not just Aaron. That's literally everyone. Yeah. Game one, game two, game three. Why is Thon still playing? He has to play his way out of the rotation. It, it's a locker room thing. It's a professional thing. He's not just going to go to a guy on an un, a non-guaranteed contract and just give him the minutes. When a guy who's been here and been putting the work in longer than him on a guaranteed contract. Thon just has to play his way out. It's just going to take a little time. Seven, eight, nine. Why is Thon still in there? Why? It takes some time. And here we are. The last, what, three games now. It's been Christian Wood and not Thon. Yep. Christian Wood has cemented himself as the guy. It just took some time. Because this is the NBA. You are managing egos as a head coach. Even though Thon probably doesn't have much of an ego, you are managing personalities and egos and grown-ass men. 
These aren't kids who can just be like, yeah, put little Timmy at the end of the bench, it's done. No. These are grown men in a, their professional lives. There is a pattern, a it, sequence, a, a protocol. A protocol you have to co- follow. And that is what Dwayne Casey did. He gave Thon every opportunity, like we discussed, and Thon played himself right out of the rotation. So I just wanted to toot my own horn and Brendan's horn on this situation. Because look at Christian Wood now. The guy is a walking bucket. All a I'll walking say, bucket. The I'll, guy gets to the basket with ease. Aaron, don't cut me off. Yeah, bro. Just let him go. Where are you? I, let I, him go. I, Where is your head? Use your head. You're going to come at me like that. All I'm going to say is after that vicious, vile campaign attack on me and my camp, all I have to say is, who cares? No, get out of here. My, who hey, Ryan, cares? Drop, no, the mic, no, so, so, drop the mic, Drop the mic. You're done. I'm going to put my hand right over so, his mouth. So, he's, he's out. Put your hand on my mouth. So here's the thing. <laughs> Jesus. So We're going to have a flight break out in the studio. Don Baker, no future with the Pistons. He's on an expiring contract. Take that process. Throw it out the window when you have a player as talented as Christian Wood. So here's the thing. You're an idiot. So here's Continue. the thing. Palace of Pistons is looking for a new co-host and a new leader. Send your resumes in to palaceofpistons.com or whatever. Or whatever. I don't even know what our go-to is. Just send is. it to at just Ryan Payne, at me, yeah, Brenda. Just, 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 DM, just us. DM us. We're looking for a new leader and a new co-host as well. So, Aaron, uh, you can get up and get out of here. Yeah, so your the studio camp. no longer needs you. Your camp. Yeah. The camp The camp knows your that camp. they were always the right. Shire stance. The Aaron stance won't even defend him. On <laughs> you have to. You have to. The silent manage the, the ego silent. Just and protect Thon Just Maker. Just Mike Anguiano, where are you at, bro? We need, we need a new. Game. We need a new. We need a new leader, Mike. I mean, I'm, ca- I'm calling you out by name, Mike. Aaron, I'm calling you out by name. You're done, dude. This insurgent you're done. is ridiculous. Absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. But anyway, oh my back, god. Back to the topic. We were Don, right on this, and Aaron was Don right. Don was going to play his way out. It's yep. not even about personal attacks anymore. I just had to get that shot in. That's <laughs> to everyone, though. Well, shit, I know I'll be crying myself to sleep now. I know he is. Gone. Done. <laughs> but no, for real. For real. Thon just had to play his way out of the rotation. And he did. And look at what Christian Wood's doing with it. Absolutely. He took his opportunity, and he's <clears throat> run with it. It's going to be Christian Wood the rest of the way. And when Aaron says Thon does not have a future with his team, it's Christian Wood's. It's not Don's anymore. Mm-hmm. No so, doubt. There it is. I uh, So be excited about Christian Wood. Because Aaron's also right that he has to be part of the young core. When We've talked about this off-air before. And I've said, really, for me, Luke and Seku. And maybe Bruce. After that, who knows? You're in the wilderness. No, Bruce Brown's proven that he's definitely there for sure. That was the guy I was leaning for, yes, anyway. But, you know, you just wanted to see it b- proven more. And now Christian Wood absolutely, absolutely has to be a part of it going forward. So little did we know the Pistons were going to tank trade away to get picks, and it's going to be Bruce, Luke Kennard, uh, you know, uh, what, Seku, Christian Wood, Anthony Edwards, Anthony the future Edwards. starting Anthony five. Anthony Edwards. Edwards, number one on my big board. For this guy's averaging sure. 45 a game. Jeez. Uh, just, just saying. Talk about a walking bucket. My goodness. I, uh, I I love it. I think that's the Pistons' hey, direction. If, Pistons, if the Pistons hit the reset button and got that, oh, I'd be in heaven. But like we discussed, he's going to Golden State. That He just played his part. They played their part. We already discussed that. It's he's so, going to Golden State. It's so sad, but so true. 
But so it's true. so sad, but so true. We discussed that. God, God no, damn. for real. Christian Wood is part of the young, the young core. How is no team? Like I get, he's getting a little bit. He's not old. He's only twenty four, but he's matured more and his game's developed. I get it. But how is a team, especially like the Pelicans, how do they not see this? Right. Especially when he put up whatever it was, 17, 18, and 8, whatever it was last year. I know it was the final 10 games. I mean, are people but, really looking at it as, hey, he, has, he he was so poor defensively that they couldn't just give him a chance? Like, I mean, when you have a guy that could score at the, at that level, you find a way he, to get by and, and teach that defensive scheme over time. He, he can learn how to play defense. He's got, his touch is unbelievable. His shooting touch, incredible. And he's so long and athletic that it's just easy for him to score. He's just one of those guys. Yeah. It's it's unbelievable. I can't believe a team didn't see this. Is Wood 6'10"? 6'11"? Yeah, 6'10". He's 6'10"? a combo big. He can play the 4 or the 5. So, I mean, the, I, this is the positive part of the pod, how great Christian Wood's been. Yeah. And now that he's finally, he's a rotation guy now. And it's awesome, and he's a walking bucket, and he should be absolutely part of the future. Can I bring up something? I want to change directions here. I want to stick with this win over San Antonio, though. And we saw a different style of play from Blake Griffin. Blake sitting back is more of a facilitator. Sitting back is more of a just kept the ball moving. Uh, you didn't see as much iso ball, as many short corner post-ups, as many perimeter isolations. And I really think that will help the Pistons overall if you see that style of play more from Blake. If you see more facilitating, spread the ball, take what's given to him instead of forcing the issue. Like it's it's fun watching Blake go for 28 points, 35 points. But most of the time when he does that it's cuz he forced the issue. And it's also because he had to because last year the Pistons didn't have that outside talent. Which is true. So I really hope to see going forward with the talent the Pistons have that you know if Tony Snell can continue to shoot the ball well from the perimeter, you have Luke Kennard. If a guy like Speed can come in and give you some valuable minutes off the bench and stroke it from the arc, hopefully Blake can play a little bit more of a facilitator and then still have that ability of put the ball on the deck, take it to the cup, hit those kickout threes, and really maybe maximize the value he can have with this young core around him. I think that Blake Griffin is going to eventually start playing better. He's definitely had his struggles since his debut this season. He's not been the Blake Griffin that he was last year. And I don't know if he'll return to that Blake Griffin that he was last year, but I definitely expect him to pick it up a little bit more. And that doesn't mean that he has to just take the game over, take the offense over, and it needs to be Blake ball. But... He needs to start shooting better. He needs to stop turning the ball over. And those are two big things for him right now that he struggled with. He, We know he can pass the basketball. We know he can find other ways to get involved. And I think when Blake Griffin is kind of doing some of those other things outside of scoring, it helps other players get involved, build a rhythm, build a consistency within the offense. I mean, the big question going into the season was, can Luke Kennard and Blake Griffin be on the floor together? And it took some games, but Luke has been able to be on the floor with Blake Griffin and be the Luke Kennard that he started the season playing as. I mean, his last three, four games, he's been phenomenal. 20 points, you know, shooting the ball really well, 
I, I the playmaking that Kennard has has shown he's capable of, the growth he's shown in that regard, even though we've already known he can do that, but what he's done this year to, you know, back up that belief and back up that style of play with Blake Griffin on the floor makes things a whole lot easier for the Pistons than turning to Griffin and saying, we need you to go get a bucket. Because it's not going to be for 35 minutes on the floor, Blake, go take the ball to the basket, step back and hit a three. It's going to be Blake... You can go out there, and you're going to be an option now. You're not just going to be the guy because Lukin is a 20-point-per-game scorer. Langston shooting a hot ball, has shot a hot ball throughout this season. Bruce Brown has become a respectable player from the three-point line, and he's getting to the cup. Which is Two huge. big areas that he needed to improve on. The fact that Bruce is just willing to shoot the ball is huge. Yeah. And you just getting over that mental yeah, block. Yeah. So. And then you have another knockdown shooter in Tony Snell. The Pistons are starting to experiment more with the Blake Griffin and Christian Wood lineups. That's another guy that could potentially be on the outside. Which he's a rim runner. I love that athleticism. I, I love that offense you can get from both the four and five spot. The way they can both spread the floor and play in the post. That's exciting. That's, that's the thing. When you have two guys... Because Blake's not what he was when he was 23, obviously. He plays closer to the rim. Of course he stretches out to the three. But when you've just got Andre hanging around the rim, and Blake's games at this point is kind of back down to get to the rim, it clogs it up a bit. Now with Christian Wood, you got him stretching all over the floor. I think it just opens it up for Blake Griffin even more. Yeah, and it's huge. It just it, it's it's going to take some time, but I think in the end it's going to work out well for the Pistons that they're not just reliant on Blake Griffin. They need to allow their other guys, their younger guys to get themselves involved because you you don't want the same issues that you had last year. You don't want Blake worn down by the time the playoffs come around to the for when you actually need Blake to kind of go into that all right, put the backpack on. We need you to be the guy when he's going to be capable of doing that. You don't want him playing on one leg. Mm-hmm. So this all is a recipe for success if the Pistons are able to turn their season around because they're 7 and 13 right now and drop back-to-back games to the Charlotte fucking Hornets. All right, language. <laughs> no, but you're right. You're absolutely right. And I do think Blake is going to keep getting better as the year goes on. But what is so huge for him is something you just mentioned. It's not just, okay, everyone get on my back. I'm going to try to carry us all the way to this win. It's now here, Luke. You take some of the weight. All right, Bruce, you can take a little bit of the weight. Dre, you're taking some of the weight. It can be passed around now. Right. It's not just, all right, give it to Blake and hope he scores. And if he doesn't. We're screwed. So and that kind of chemistry is going to keep building throughout this year as Blake gets more into form. And I don't think you're going to see Blake be that 25-point-a-game guy anymore. I think he's going to be more around 18, 19 a game with instead of like four or five assists, up to seven. seven hey, I'm okay He's with a that. facilitator. He's a point forward. He's going to be up to seven assists. Hell, he could get up to eight assists because I think that's going to be more of his style. Now I'm facilitating. I'm not – constantly having to look for a bucket, and eventually that's going to open up so much more for him. And then he's going to have nights where he's going to have just open shots. He's going to have lanes. He's, he's, he's going to have nights where he's going to put up 40. He's going to have those nights. But now that he's got a 20-point scorer, a legit 20-point scorer with him in Luke Kennard, and a guy like Bruce Brown who can take to the bucket and finish, and also he is willing to pull up from three, huge. And Tony Snell, like you said, knocking down from the outside. He's got guys now. It's not just, all right, Blake, do it. I hope you get us there. And that is going to be crucial for when, if this team does make the playoffs, 
Blake does have to do that, he does have the energy. He does have the, the wherewithal to do it because he hasn't been worn out all season. He's like, all right, I got you guys now. Let's go. So the Pistons sit at 7-13. and 13. At what point do we start really going, hey, what's, what's the next step? Like, How many more games do the Pistons get before they have to make a decision as to whether they're all in or they're all out? Meaning... You know, is it is it ten games from now? Is it twenty games from now that they have to make that decision of we're going to push for the playoffs or we're going to start unloading some guys and, and begin to restructure? It does not have to tank. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to tank and completely rebuild. You've got four pieces that you've talked about keeping for your future already: Bruce, Luke, Seku, Christian Wood. You've got a guy in Jordan Bone in the future. I think could be a nice backup point guard. Right, you've got some other pieces in place. You're not stripping this whole thing down and need to find twelve new guys. You really need to find maybe one or two more real foundational pieces, and then the rest would just be depth building it out. Yeah. But how much more do they have before the Pistons have to make a decision? We're making a move to take a push and to get in, or we're making a move to unload, position ourselves nicely for the draft, just to reset and reset. It's a reset. Well, they, the summer fifteenth the day where everyone becomes trade eligible that's signed in the off season. So that's a that's a big date because yeah, you, you I mean either way, whether you're trying to add a piece or start a rebuild or retool, whatever, you got to wait at least you know a little bit, you know another two weeks until you can do that. But I think they'll probably wait a, bit, a little bit longer than that too. I think they're going to try to see where this goes. I I don't think. They're too keen on the idea of tearing it down or trading Blake, uh, anything like that. I think they'd probably be more in tune to the idea of, you know, going fishing and trying to bring in another star. No, no, not DeMar DeRozan, which I think we need to talk about because that's becoming more and more of a topic. Um, But, you know, they got to wait a few weeks either way. And, you know, another two weeks of games – Gives the team a little bit more time to try to figure out some of the issues that they've had. And I think, you know, the softer part of the schedule, even though they dropped those two games to Charlotte, they still have Cleveland coming up. Then the schedule starts to get a little bit tougher, but this is an, that opportunity for them to figure out some of those kinks because they can't play until, you know, the, the trade deadline like they are right now or the, the team will be forced to sell low and blow it up and, and just go from there. I think you made a point when you said this uh, front office is not keen on trading Blake Griffin, and I wholeheartedly agree with that. I think they're going to stretch it out as long as they can. I mean, as long as they can. Yeah. I would say, I would say a fair time would be beginning of January. I think maybe mid-January is as far as you can take it. If it's not working out, then hitting the reset button. Um, but I really think they're going to stretch it out as long and as far as they can. And before they go for the reset, they're going to go fishing, like Aaron said. They're going to try to find a, another player that they can get without overspending who can complement this team and help them get to the playoffs. They have 14 games between now and the end of December. Yeah. So... Sitting at seven and thirteen, fourteen games, and they've got some challenges. Hey, they could be twenty-one and thirteen. 
They could be 21 and 13, and it's a whole different ballgame. In those 14 games, you play Milwaukee, Indiana, Dallas, at Houston, Toronto, at Boston, Philly, and in Utah. I would say those are your tough games. You still also have Chicago, who you have lost to. You have them at home. You you get to see Washington, hopefully a win. You've got to go to San Antonio. I know we just saw them kill San Antonio at home, but I'm not going to just you know look over that one like there's no big deal there. Um, so actually get Washington twice in there. But you look at that. Milwaukee's a playoff team right now. Indiana's a playoff team right now. Dallas, I I believe, is a playoff oh, yeah, team in the West. Oh, yeah, they're in the mix. Yeah. Luka Doncic. Luka, uh, absolutely. You got Houston. Ending LeBron's career. I'm kidding. Ooh. But that step back was pretty crazy. Wow, he's he's just phenomenal. He's awesome. We could just – hey, I'm we can talk doing about a 40-minute podcast time. just praising Luka Doncic. He's awesome. Anyway, go on, Brendan. I think you got to play of your 14 games. Eight of those games are against a team that right now would be in the playoffs. So, that's a tough December stretch. Much like last year. The difference is, last year, the Pistons started hot, and Aaron was like, oh my goodness, we might host a playoff series. And now it's like, oh, the Pistons are 7-13. and And let's say we lose, you know, let's say of those 14 games, we go 7-7. and And you're sitting at 14-20 and going into the new year. How do you feel about that? Not good. How do you feel about that? Not good. Not like, good. I, and I think seven and seven's a fair. Like I, that's that's. I think that's a little generous. But fair. isn't that a problem? Like, that's a problem. And that's a problem. If seven I, and seven is generous, it's me argue. You're not. I'm not arguing that. Right. I my argument is. I think the front office is going to stretch it sure. as far as they sure can. sure. I'm just saying. It's so, so speaking in terms of like, hey, how that front office should be thinking, if. If we're looking at the month of December, say if we go seven and seven, that's pretty darn good. There's a major problem here. You know what? Every team's gotta. If you're good, you gotta figure out a way to win ball games. I say that a lot, but it's true. The Pistons gotta find a way to pull off some upsets, to get some big wins, and and maybe even do better than seven and seven. Because if they're going into the new year fourteen and twenty. I don't really know how good you should be feeling. My thing is, back to the point of stretching as far as you can, if they go 7-7 seven and seven in that stretch and they're 14-20, and 20, I think the front office thinks, all right, we made it through that death schedule, 500. Pretty decent. We can take the next step. And they'll make that move to find that next player. I agree. I think that's where that's heading. For them to be like, okay, reset, it literally has to be like 2-12. and 12. In that stretch, so, so so then you get stuck at like so. Let's say you go five and nine. What do you do? But I hit reset. I, I do still, too. I still don't think they do, my guy. I hit reset at seven and seven, to be honest. But you know, at, at five and nine, I don't. I hope so. I, I am convinced they want to stretch it as far as they can with Blake. Not really out of any sort of pride, because they're not the ones who brought Blake in, right? I I just think. They like having him here as a leader, as a voice for the franchise, and I think they think they can find a way to win with him. I'll tell you, they're desperate right now, this this organization. Oh, it now. is. It is desperate. To bring out the Reds right now, to bring out the Reds, and just kind of do it. Like that was It was a move of desperation. Okay, okay, wait. 
Where are you going with this? I'm saying that the Pistons are begging to get any sort of positive attention. They're begging to get anybody they can into that arena. And they're trying to also, at the same time, get those guys in the locker room motivated in any way, shape, or form they can. And maybe it's just a new uniform. It's debuting the Reds. Which, by the way, my opinion, I'm not a fan. I love the red. I love red uniforms. I hate that blue stripe, the the double stripe going down the middle. For me, the if middle. the stripes were on the side, yes. it'd be a lot better. I agree. I don't mind the red. I don't mind the uniforms. I just think the stripes belong like, on the side. I love the red. You. I, I wanted them to have that red. I'm a big fan of the red uniform. I just don't like. I hate the big blue stripe. The two of them going down the middle of the freaking jersey. Okay, it should be on the side. The first off, though. The jerseys are like planned, like before the year begins. Not the date, not when they were going to come out, though. Yes, that wasn't, yes. I don't, I doubt it I, was. I promise you, yes. Every jersey is planned before the season begins. What day you're going to wear them, what color versus what team. Like all of that is planned before the season begins. It's coordinated. Also, so they know right they, now. They knew they were debuting. They know every day they're wearing each jersey the rest of the year. The home whites. The city reds, the away, you know, away blues, whatever. They know what they're wearing the rest of the year. Promise you, it's it's fact. Well, that's shitty. They knew when they were debuting those reds. Like that was all coordinated. I will say, I hated them at first. Don't hate them as much as after seeing them on TV. I don't. I still don't love them. I don't even know if I like them, but I don't hate them the way I did when they first came out. Yeah, I don't, get I don't the like stripes them. on the side. That's yeah. all. That I mean, that's literally it. The stripes on the that side compared to down the better. middle. I would be like, these are the best jerseys in the game. Literally, just put the stripes on the side, and not down the middle. That's all. Yeah, that's, that's a, all. I, I, it's just uh, there's something about those stripes down the middle. I'm just like, nah, just nah. too much. It's like I don't know. It's like I don't know. But anyway, real quick, Aaron, where are you at with it? The reset, the push. You know, seven and seven, five and nine, like. What do you think? I'm all for a reset. I'm all for it. Now, if a trade comes up where you can get a big-time player, again, not DeMar DeRozan, but you can get a big-time player, then fine. As long as you're not selling Seku, Luke, Bruce, two first, and all that, you know, together. The thing is about a big player, if you're going to go get a big player, someone has to be Some, sacrificed. Right. Someone has to be sacrificed. Are we willing to part ways with Luke or Seku? See, I don't even think the Pistons should be parting with Luke the way he's playing. Uh, the Luke way is he's like playing. part of part of like the right now core, like the winning core. I know. So I don't even know if they should be looking he, to part with Seku. I know. Luke. That's someone who's part of both. He's part of the win now core and the build for the future core. That's a guy, can you give him up right now? I don't like to think any guy's untouchable, but so I guess it's about who are you who are you really bringing back? Especially when he's not, you know, a perennial all star. I mean, could Luke work his way to that? Sure, maybe. I don't know, but he's not right now. And are you going to mark a guy who's not even a perennial all star as untouchable? Right, right, yeah. So I'm very much okay with the Pistons resetting. They're seven and thirteen. They can't beat the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, you know, they're inconsistent. They have a lot of defensive issues. They turn the ball over like a bad team. Bad teams turn the ball over. The Pistons turn the ball over a lot. Uh, they have a lot of issues. And I said they needed to have a very strong next five games to kind of right the ship a little bit. And they dropped two back-to-back to Charlotte. That didn't convince me. 
They still have Cleveland, and then they got to get through the rest of December, which, again, we talked about it. It's pretty tough. Eight or so playoff potential teams that they're going up against. Uh, so they either got to have, like, a really good month, or I'm still going to be saying that they need to be ready to blow it up. All right, so that's where you are. Where's the front office, in your opinion? The front office is definitely looking to make a move to add to this team and head towards the playoffs. There's no doubt in my mind that that's where they're thinking. They have a win-now style coach in Dwayne Casey. They have a win-now desired owner in Tom Gores. And Ed Stefanski is certainly not a guy that wants to start a rebuild. If that's the case, which I feel like it is too, and I feel like they'll stretch it as long as they can, the move literally has to be done like right after December 15th. Like December 15th, they have to be on the yep. phone looking to absolutely get a deal done. Absolutely get a deal done. Do either of you guys want Demar Derozan? No, no, okay. no not resounding no. Good, good, very, very good. Because the Pistons should not be going after Demar Derozan. I'm not excited that people are talking about it like they should be. He does not fit this team whatsoever. Demar Derozan does not shoot, does not make three pointers. The Pistons need their wings to be three point shot makers considering the rest of their lineup alignment in a point guard that he's getting better as a shooter, but he's not a high-volume shooter. Blake likes to operate in the post. Yes, he can shoot, and Andre's a post player. You don't want to sacrifice Tony Snell's starting spot, Luke Kennard's starting spot for DeMar DeRozan, who is going to want to isolate more, bring the ball in the post, and clog up a paint that already is clogged up enough. Uh, it just would be a terrible, terrible move, especially considering you would have to believe that Detroit would have to give up something of real value to get him. I mean, yeah, I, I agree with your points. It's just, it's who are you willing, who do you want to get for the value you have to give up? Because, I mean, if you're making a win-now move and you're trying to bring in a star, you're going to be parting ways with Seku, maybe Luke, a Bruce, I don't know. So you're parting away with someone and some picks, and that would be terrible. And I don't, I don't like that. I, I don't know. It doesn't sit well with me. It sucks because I'm so far opposite of where the front office is. I'm sure right now, in terms of their mindset on where this organization, this team should go, it, it, it's just the Pistons are so far away from ever doing anything of true contention that it's like, what are we doing? What are we doing? It's it's just it's frustrating. Week in and week out, we come on and we talk about the team and we talk about positives. We talk about probably some negatives. We talk about you know potential here. And at the end of the day, all we're doing is sitting in purgatory. That's all we're doing. We're not you know at the bottom of the league with with no hope for the future. Like where Brooklyn was several years back when they when they traded away all their picks and they were terrible and they just lost and did not get a draft pick to recover from it. Like we're not in that state, but we're certainly not at a level where we feel like, hey, yeah, this team can go out and uh, compete for the Eastern Conference title. I don't even feel this team could compete in the playoff series right now, and I didn't say win; I said compete in. They're bad. They're a bad team right now. now and, that's, yeah. and that's not false because there are going to be people that say, oh, you're just hating, like you're a hater. 
that is not false. They are 7-13. and 13. You are what your record says you are. That's an old cliche, but that that's the truest of them all. Yeah, you like, are what your record says you are. Especially when you have losses to Charlotte, what, three times? Three? Three, losses, three losses to Charlotte. Atlanta once. Bulls twice? Twice. Two, twi- two, I think two it was Bulls twice. losses. Two Bulls losses. There's five losses right there to horrible teams. The Hawks lost by 60 points the other day. 60 points. Or we're down by 60 at one point. Whatever. They, they, they're not, it's not like they went out and lost to, you know, Houston, the Clippers, the Lakers. Like, they haven't even gotten to those West Coast matchups mm-hmm. yet. They have not gotten to the behemoth that is the West Coast. They are losing to subpar teams in the Eastern Conference. What sucks about all this is, again, I think I made this point earlier. I'll make it again. The Pistons don't have to completely tank. Like, they don't need to go on another five-year hiatus of being the worst team in basketball. They Even if they sell low on a guy like Andre to just move that money, or you sell low on a guy like Reggie just to get something in return and move him off the books. I don't think anyone's taking Reggie right now, by the way. Well, yeah, seriously. They, they don't, the Pistons don't even know when he's getting on the court. But the point is, you don't have to get a mega return to be able to just say you turn the page. And, and Dre can be a real good player in this league, and I know it wasn't that long ago. They were talking about, like, damn, you see how good Dre's playing. This is what we've needed. This is what we've needed to see. This is what he's needed to do. I just I, I just don't think the fit is in Detroit long term. It's just not. Detroit has a true need for an elite wing. An elite wing. And the first thing you have to have in this league is an elite wing if you want to be successful. You look at every team that's in the playoff mix, they have an elite wing. At least contending in the playoff mix. You know? That's what the league is now, though. Wings. It's about wing players. And you've got a real nice wing piece in Luke Kennard. You get a strong, athletic, shoot the ball, drive to the rim. I mean, you could get whatever style. But you get a strong, elite wing to pair with Luke. And then eventually Sekou develops. A Luke, name that wing, and Sekou, 2-3-4 punch. With the way you're expecting... Your three wings? Your three wings, essentially. With the way we're hoping and projecting Sekou to develop, that right there is what's going to be good enough to have you compete in the Eastern Conference and hopefully you put the pieces around it to compete for a title. You have to be thinking the big picture here. We've tried... We've tried the Reggie. We've tried the Blake. We've tried the Andre train. and, And it's just... It's not going anywhere. It's just not going anywhere. There's nothing wrong with taking a step back as an f- organization in a front office and being like, hey, we tried. We gave it a great effort. We made the moves. We made, we looked for moves. We went and did our thing, and it just didn't work. Mm-hmm. We need to take a step back and reset. And that's There's the, nothing wrong with the that. The Stefanski front office staff, they aren't the ones that you know made the move for Blake. They aren't the ones that gave Reggie an extension. They aren't the like they will be the front office though that re-signs Dre if they are to do so. 
they'd be the front office that if they go out and they trade a young piece away to bring in a guy like DeMar DeRozan, that would be a stain on them as a staff. They have a chance right now to say, listen, we've tried to make minor moves and strategically draft to benefit us down the road while trying to make the best we can of this situation. We have an opportunity to move forward And even if it takes two years to get back to the playoffs, we feel that we have the young pieces in place and some flexibility and some draft picks potentially and some guys we could trade to land us in a spot two years from now to be two, three steps ahead of where we currently are. With a younger core, with a higher ceiling, with hopefully a better potential. It's, I mean, it's... It's a nice dream. It's a nice outlook. Right. But is that where this is headed? No, I know it's not. I know. I, I get I'm that. Just pleading. I know. I, wish, I know you're pleading. I wish I, I could go in front of them and like plead like we were in freaking court. And I could just give my case. Because dang it all, it's so frustrating. It's going to be so sad when they trade for DeMar DeRozan. It's going to be so sad. Just seeing what they give up. Just seeing what they give up for DeMar. Well, and that's the hurt. thing. What, that's what's going to hurt. What what if you don't have to give up a ton? Then I guess whatever. But you're going to give up something, and then it's going to cost somebody in that starting lineup. Mm-hmm. So you're going to cost Luke. I don't want it then. It's going to cost Tony Snell, and then your spacing goes to hell because you have three guys that don't take high volume three pointers. If nothing else. Tony Snell provides great great space on the court, mm-hmm. and then when he actually shoots, like he makes it. He's not going to take 10 shots a night. He's going to take four, five, six. When he shoots it, though, there's a high chance that it goes in. And that's what matters. That means defenses can't go out or can't sag in and leave Tony Snell alone because that'll do what he did in that one game earlier in the year when he went like 9 of 9 from the field and had 27 points. It's it's a great dream, and it's a great thought, and I agree with the premise. You're not going to get me fighting you on it. But I believe this front office wants to see what it can do with Blake Griffin. Oh, they do. They didn't bring him in, but they inherited him. And Blake Griffin is just one of those guys that he's a star. we got to see if we can get him something. we got to see if we can work with him and around him. We just we have to do everything we can. And that's where they're at. Well, 7-13. That's where we stand. The Pistons... Begin kind of a tough stretch here through December. Yeah, they got a nice winnable game versus Cleveland coming up. After that, you get Milwaukee, get Indiana. You let that road get a little tough. We'll see what they can do. Um, So I don't know. Boys, anything else you want to add before we kind of wrap up for the week? I mean, kind of touched on several different topics. Luke Kennard's been balling. Bruce Brown's getting better each and every game. Really excited about the backcourt between those two. And since Ryan tooted his horn at the beginning of the podcast, I'm going to toot mine now. I talked in the offseason. I fought with you guys in the offseason over Bruce Brown being a point guard and that he's going to get minutes and he should be getting minutes in point guard. And now he is a starting point guard for the Pistons and he is playing exceptionally well and and has cemented himself as a guy that deserves a look to be this team's point guard of the future. So... I'm tuning my horn on that. Bruce Brown and Luke Kennard, the backcourt of the future. We we talk about how, you know, Bruce and Luke are great, but 
How are you going to play them both on the wing together when they're both 6'5"? And now you don't have to, which is awesome. Ryan, anything you'd like to add? Uh, We'll see what happens in December. We'll see what happens in December. All I'm going to finish that with, Aaron, is at least when Ryan was tooting his and my horn, it was because what we said had basis, a full, thorough explanation, and was 100% accurate from the start. What you said was a gamble based off summer league, what you saw. Yes, it's worked out. It, okay, but, stop, stop. But it the also premise, was based off what the team said of how they wanted to get Bruce Brown to play point guard, and they wanted but, to give him an opportunity but to develop prep, as a point hold guard. Hold on. I, was, I, I didn't interrupt you. No, no, no. no, no I didn't interrupt you. My, don't go I, out no, no, here no. saying you, false I didn't interrupt you. about how no. it was based off a gamble of how Bruce Brown played it in summer league. It was based off fact as well that the team wanted him to be You had never guard. seen it done in the regular season, and you said it. And your premise was not as strong as Ryan and my premise on the Christian would take. That's all I was saying. And that's uh, that's wrong though. You, you, it's not like you saw Don Maker and Christian Wood battle for minutes in the regular season. We didn't talk about that. them battling for minutes. No, no, we said that Don Maker will play his way out. And Dwayne Casey is going to have to manage a locker room and ego is exactly like he did. So I'll leave it on that note. Before you go, be sure to like, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Palace of Pistons. Aaron at his personal A Johnson NBA. Myself at Media Brendan. Ryan at Ryan Pay. Uh, we're on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Podbean, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify. You name it, we're there. Um, so, so show us some love and uh, and bring some energy. Hopefully. Energy like the Pistons brought versus the Spurs. So until next time, we'll see you here on the Palace Pistons Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.